Yeah, you can clap for that. It's good stuff. Before I get started this morning, Mr. Phil Lynch, one of our elders here, is going to pray for us and say something first, apparently. All right. Okay, Miss Carol Lynch feels better half. Right? All right, Miss Carol has something to say. For you. Amen. All right. Thus saith the Lord God, Brian, be strong and of good courage, for I am with you. Hmm. Care not in your mind or emotions concerning those who would come against you, for I am with you. Hmm. I am your shield, and I am your protector, thus saith the Lord. They are. Whew. If you can't preach after that, you got something wrong. We begin a brand new series today called Rattle. I'm struck with the power of God to do whatever He wants, whenever He wants in whatever way he wants. Amen? He does not need anyone or anything to accomplish his purposes. Before there were a you and I, he created the heavens and the earth. He did not need us in the process. But he chooses by his absolute mercy and grace to let us participate in the big things that he does. What an absolute act of mercy because he did not have to do that. He does not have to do that because we don't deserve to be involved in that. We haven't earned anything that would put us in that. But he chooses by his sovereign Power, mercy, wisdom, and will to allow us to be in the process of what he is bringing to pass. And the way he calls us to that is not because of our great intellect, our great talents, or our great abilities. He does it when we have Faith. Faith to trust him. And that is even a gift from him. And a humbling gift that just by choosing to believe, he would use us to bring about his will. So much so that, that Jesus would say, whatever things you ask, in prayer, believing, you will have. Whoo! Not because of me, all because of him and believing what he says. So much so that in that same conversation, Jesus would say, if you say to that mountain, be removed, it will be. That thing that is 
bigger than you, that thing that is seemingly immovable, that thing that you have no control over, that thing which seems to stand in the way, that thing which seems so overpowering that by believing and trusting, he removes it just by us praying and believing. And when God moves big things, they always start with something little that we call a rattle. The big things begin to move and there starts to be a a little shaking, a little movement. And it starts little and we don't discount the day of small things because they're a precursor to the big things. You don't neglect the small things. You don't neglect what he's called you to do, even if it's a small step of obedience, because it's the leading up to a big thing. It's the beginning of a rattle that that turns into a movement. Amen? Yeah. Sorry if I sound a little preacherish this morning. I'm just feeling all preacherish. must have been that prayer of Miss Carol, so. Rattled. You know, it's possible to get rattled and not be the one causing a rattle. I remember going to a state baseball playoff game years ago and watched a team who was playing there, many of them for the first time. And they had done well in the first part of the game. And the tide began to turn and the other team began to move ahead. And the other team from their dugout began to chant something that had an impact on the team I was cheering for. They began to say from the other team, rattled, rattled, and it began to be their chant. Every time they got a hit, they chanted rattled. Every time the other team made a mistake, they chanted rattled. And soon what they were saying became the mindset of this other team, and they lost the game. It got in their head. They got rattled. Instead of remembering who they were, instead of remembering what got them to that spot and being the one who causes a rattle. Hey, in this day and time, the world is chanting to us, rattled, rattled, and Christians are, don't know what to do. They're falling back. They're pulling away. They're uncertain. They're a little bit concerned, a little bit eat up with some fear and anxiety. And all of a sudden, if we're not careful, we will be the ones being rattled instead of the ones causing a rattle to happen, trusting God, believing God, asking him to remove mountains and watching those mountains be removed. Amen? So we're called to be the ones who believe and trust God for big things. Jesus didn't say, praying and believing will see a tiny little pebble turn over on its side. No, he said, you'll see a mountain removed. A mountain. This series is designed to help us deepen our faith, to help us see the power of praying, to know how to pray, to be the ones who make a rattle happen today, who cause the heavenlies to rattle, who cause all of the demonic forces out there today to be rattled. To cause all of those who stand against the gospel of Jesus Christ to be rattled today. And for it to begin right here in us with a rattle in us first. Amen? Amen. That's where we're headed today. Our message today is called Heaven and Earth Are About to Move. Amen? Turn your Bibles today to Acts chapter 4. 
We are in verse 18. It's the book of Acts, obviously. It's the New Testament Acts of the Apostles. It's the new church. They're walking in obedience. They're walking in this new life that is within them. The Spirit of God is in them, moving through them. They have all banded together. Thousands, thousands are being added to the fellowship. Thousands are being changed, and they are becoming a movement. Pentecost has happened. Preaching is happening. Power is being unfolded, and things are happening. Peter and John are on their way to the temple one day for a day or a time of prayer. Along the way, they, there's a man who has been lame all of his life. Ever since he has been born, he has been incapable of walking. And this man is begging for money. But Peter and John give him something very different than money. Because money is not what people need today. You can give people money and they'll only need more money. What people need today is the gospel of Jesus Christ in their life to revolutionize and transform their hearts and change them today. That is what forever transforms and changes them. That is what causes a rattle. That is a greater mountain to be moved, amen? And that happens for this man. He gets up and he walks. And everyone is amazed and confident that only God could have done this. But boy, it causes a stir in a culture that did not want to hear anything about this Jesus. In a culture that said, hey, everybody go along with us. In a culture that said, let's all play the religious games. Let's all go along to the temples. Let's offer up sacrifices to everyone else. Along comes this message of Jesus that says, you don't have to go to those temples. You can trust in the one who lets you walk right up into his presence through faith. You have bold access into his throne room. And all of a sudden, this message is a little confrontational. A little bit uh, in opposition to the popular message of the day. And so Peter and John get arrested because those in government authority at the time don't like a subversive message that calls people to think for themselves, believe for themselves, and walk up into the presence of God by themselves through Christ. Mm. It's not about that. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 18 is where we begin today because... They call Peter and John in and they confront them. Peter and John use this moment to preach even more boldly. The government leaders threaten them and let them go. Verse 18. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Mm. How about that? Here's the kingdom of man, the government, attempting to tell those in the kingdom of God what they can and cannot do. And here's a moment where those of faith are about to have to choose the kingdom of God over the kingdoms of man. And they're going to do so with great faith. For they tell them they can't speak or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. Verse 19, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. You be the judge, Mr. Religious Leader of the day. You want me just to listen to you? You want me to listen to God? We can't do only but what he has shown us, and that we will do. Verse 21. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. 
For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. It was pretty obvious here that this man was not a setup. This wasn't fake news. This was the real deal. This guy had been there for a long time. He was known in the community. He was over 40 years old. They had always known him as being lame. And I don't mean they could just tell bad jokes. This man could not walk. But the power of Jesus changed him that day. And he was no longer the same. And this caused a rattle. Verse 23 is where we begin to dig in today. It says, in being let go, they went to their own companions. Mm. That's a good thing to do. That's why we're doing this, what we're doing right now. That's why folks are joining us online today. In fact, for the last several weeks, we believe there are more people online watching than there are here in person with us today. And there's a good number here today, but hello to everybody online today. We're glad you're joining us today too. Yeah, give them a hand. Yeah, awesome. I can't wait for the day that there's a greater freedom to all be back together because I have a feeling from what I see behind the scenes that we won't even all fit in this room anymore once we all come back together because God has been doing a work even though you can't see it. I can't see all of it. So being let go, they went to their own companions. They went back to their people. They went back to the group they know had faith in the Lord as well. And they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. They gave them an update. They gave them the latest. They gave them the down low on what had just happened in their lives and the threats that were made against them. Here's what happened to us. Here's how difficult it was. Here's how painful it was. But here we are. And now we're gathered with you. I love what happens next. Verse 24. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. As soon as they heard the threats against them, as soon as they heard the problems that were against them, as soon as they heard the situation, the very first thing that they did, they said, let's pray. Let's turn and seek God. That's a good thing to do. It's not just a good thing. It's the right thing to do. It's not just the right thing. It's the only right thing to do in that moment. You know, we have reached a, a place today where that's not the first thing that people do. The first thing that is more easy to do today when something happens to us that's painful or difficult or challenging, the first thing that's easy to do in that moment is complain a little. Let me just complain about what's happened. Let me just tell you how terrible this is. Let me tell you what they did to me. Let me tell you why I didn't deserve it. And if you're not careful today, you'll buy into what the world is doing today and you'll fall into this victim mentality. Look what's happened to me. This is terrible. This is not right. I'm the victim here. They've mistreated me. That's what's happening in the world today. If you're watching the headlines carefully, you're watching a world that has been consumed with I'm the victim. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, everybody has done them wrong. And they somehow, miraculously, have done everything right. Everybody else is wrong and they're all right. They've done exactly right and everybody else is wrong and God has even done wrong. He created them wrong. He misguided their gender. 
He misguided their situation, and all of a sudden, they have a right to complain. Don't fall prey to victim status today. Accept who you are as a sinner who deserves judgment but has been shown mercy by Jesus Christ. That'll set you right and put you in the right path. And people today that see themselves as the grand victim have actually elevated themselves in their arrogance and have refused to acknowledge they are a sinner undeserving of any goodness. That's not what these people did. They went to pray. They didn't say, that's not fair what they're doing to us. It's just not right. No, they turned to the God who had given them new life. They turned to the God who had hope for them. They did not fall prey to victim status. They did not complain. But the second thing that they did not do is they did not start a campaign. Now, maybe you've heard the phrase today, virtue signaling. Confusing terminology, confusing term. But boy, if you look carefully, you'll see it everywhere today. Virtue signaling is when I do what I can to let others know what I stand for so that it actually kind of makes me look better. If there's a group I'm in and I want to look better to that group, I want to feel better about myself, I virtue signal and say, oh, I support this group. Oh, I stand with this group. Oh, I feel for this group. Aren't I all that? That's virtue, me showing you and others my virtue, my goodness. I'm pointing it out. I want you to see it. I want you to recognize it. I want you to me. And the last time I looked in the Bible and saw a group like that, they were called Pharisees. Some people who were saying, look at me. Look what I've done. God, I'm glad I'm not like the sinner next to me. That's what the picture is. This group in the New Testament, they knew who they were. They trusted in God alone. They didn't need to complain and make themselves a victim. And they didn't need to campaign and make themselves a virtue signal to everybody else about how right they were and how wrong everybody else was. Instead, they went straight to pray. They went straight to God. Before their mouth said anything else, they prayed. Before they let their heart get fixed in bitterness and resentment and anger, they prayed. Before they let their emotions start running wild and get off into fear and anxiety and jealousy and greed and woe is me, before they let their emotions just head down a terrible track, they said, we've got to pray. And this is where they started. Ooh, we're just getting started today. Verse 24, the second part of it. Here is what they said. One accord, they said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. What an interesting way to start a prayer. They start their prayer with this confident point about the creation of the world. Interesting. Because you see what they are actually doing here 
is making a doctrinal stance. God, you created all things. You made the heavens and you made the earth. They did not evolve. They're not here by man's power, ability, intellect, or design. They are here only by your hand. It's a powerful place to start. It's a necessary place to start. In fact, in the scheme of Doctrine 101, this is where it begins. God, you created all things, and you are good. It's no wonder today, it's really been going on since 1963, the year I was born, there's been an attack on this one doctrinal truth. It's been tossed out of our school systems. It's been tossed out of the public life. It's been uprooted in many churches to the point that many believers do not even believe this truth anymore. They find it difficult and find it necessary to somehow merge away between evolution and this Bible. And that, my friend, is impossible. It begins right here. And if you find it difficult to believe that God created the heavens and the earth, then you're going to find it difficult to believe anything else that happens in the rest of this prayer that we're going to read today. And you'll find it difficult when a rattle comes at you. Because when things begin to rattle, we all start looking for a sure foundation. And if you can't reach back to the fact that God is the creator of all things, sovereign ruler of all the universe, all things that have ever been, will be, and are today, you will be rattled. Mm, this is where we start. Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. You made them all. You created them. You defined them. You set the boundaries. All of it. There's nothing in it, the earth or the heavens, that you didn't create. Nothing. 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 That's going to be important later. That's all why I'm... That's why I'm emphasizing it. Verse 25. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? Mm. David was asking that question in his day. And here we are asking it in our day. What is going on with people? Basically, David is saying, what is wrong with people? They are raging. This word here for rage in verse 25 is the word for a horse that has gotten all flustered and angry and he is just filled with energy and he is stomping around and you can tell because he's got this snort that comes out of his nose and he's just snorting in anger and power and I want my way and get that rain off of me. They are raging. That's what the horse is doing. And here David says, that's what the nations do. The people who are against God, they just rage in defiance. We want our way. Get those reins off of me. How dare you tell us what to do? We will not follow you. And David was just as mystified back in his day as they were in their day as we are in our day. 
And Luke, who's writing the book of Acts, he identifies with it all. He says, why do the nations rage? And why are the people plotting vain things? Why are they scheming? Why are they plotting? Why are they trying to find another way? Why are they so obsessed with finding another way to live life apart from bowing their knee to you? Yeah, good question. Verse 25. The kings of the earth, they took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Mm. And these believers in this New Testament time period fully understood that because it had not been many days earlier that they watched Jesus in holiness, in truth, in love, preach, teach, heal, change lives, and yet the nations would rage against him and say, we'll have none of you. We don't want you. And they would rage to the point of arresting him, of beating him, of crucifying him, putting him in a tomb, sealing that tomb, placing guards on that tomb so that he might never have a voice again. Why would the nations rage such against him? Mm. So you have this interesting dynamic in verse 24. You've got them saying, Lord, you reign over all. There's nothing that's outside of your hand. Verse 25, the nations are raging against you. In fact, they crucified your son, Jesus. Now, for some people, this becomes difficult in Scripture. They read passages like this and come across what appear to be discrepancies. God, how could you be Lord of all, creator of all, nothing, 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 that exists, can exist without you. And yet here are the nations raging against you, defying you, shaking their fist at you. How can those two things be? Verse 27. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed... Both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together, verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Hey, these folks knew what was going on because they knew how to put together the sovereign power of God over all things with the struggling will of man shaking his fist at God and God be able to bring all of those things together and say, oh yeah, they think they have power. They think they're executing their will against me. I was actually only using all of that for my purposes. You see, there is nothing outside of my hand or control. Amen. Oh, they thought they were wise. They thought they were something, but there is nothing, nothing, nothing that is outside of his sovereign power. Even the most wicked, vile, selfish insults of man, God uses for his purposes. You meant it against me for evil, God uses it for good. 
You're not going to get him. You're not going to pull a fast one on him. You're not going to exercise yourself outside of his power. He's actually going to only use all of that to bring him glory. He will. You see, when you have some truth, it'll change how you pray. When you understand some things about who God is and what his word says, it'll all of a sudden give you some confidence that you haven't had before. It'll all of a sudden give you a place where you can be settled instead of rattled. It'll all of a sudden give you hope in your moment and say, hey, there may be some things against me right now, but I know who is for me, so it doesn't matter what's against me. Amen? This is what they cry out. This is what they pray. Their rage says I'm the victim. Their rage says I deserve better. Their their rage says, I'll cancel anything that I don't like. Cancel culture. Yeah, I don't like that right there, so cancel. Mm-hmm. I cancel that, and it just makes me look that much more virtuous. Cancel. Cancel. I want you to see how virtuous I am. Cancel. I'm not going to do that. not going to do that. Yeah, well, all the while, you're shaking your fist at God. And what they don't realize, God could have canceled them anytime he wanted to. But only by his grace and mercy they even exist today and have the power to call out to him still and be saved. Amen? Woo! Let's keep going. Verse, I don't even know where I want to go next. Let's just, let me, let me do 28 one more time. This is so important here. Because they say, God, you sent your servant Jesus. He was anointed. He was chosen. He had done nothing wrong. But Herod, Pilate, the Gentiles, they all, and the people of Israel, they all raged together against him to do whatever your hand purposed. Jesus was perfect. The people raged against him. God used even that. And Jesus rose above it. Let me say it one more time. Jesus was perfect. They raged against him. God used it. And he rose above it. Now, this is all about to take a very relevant turn for the people in the book of Acts and for us. So I hope you've been following carefully. Because they had a confidence about how they prayed. They had a confidence about who their God was. And it's about to show up in their prayer. Verse 29. Now, that's another word for this is about to get personal. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness that they may speak your word. Woo! God, seeing their threats, seeing that they outnumber us, seeing that they're more weaponized than us, seeing that they're more mechanized than us. God, grant us boldness. He didn't say, God, would you please make it stop? God, would you comfort me in the midst of my struggle? God, would you make me feel better in this moment? No, they said, God, in the midst of their threats, you hear them, give us boldness. Help us stand up straight. Help us do what you've called us to do. Help us be what you've called us to be. They didn't pray a safe prayer. 
They didn't pray an easy prayer. They didn't pray a hide me prayer. They said, God, in the face of all of that, with their threats against us, with all that they say they're going to do, with all they tell us is they're going to arrest us and persecute us, God, up against that, give us more boldness. Ooh, that's a powerful prayer. God, cause something to well up in here. Cause me to be more bold than I've ever been. God, give me more courage than I've ever had. I love the book of Proverbs. The righteous are as bold as a lion. The lion says, I I don't fear anything else. I don't fear any other animal. I don't fear anything that's coming against me because I'm a lion. This is what you and I are called to be. The righteous, those who stand right with God, those who've been made right by God, those who walk in fellowship with God, we're called to be bold because of that. Bold as a lion. And this is what these believers pray for. Because they, they were settled in here. And when you're settled, you won't be rattled. Instead, you'll be the one causing some things to rattle. So this is where it starts, but this is not where it ends. Their prayer doesn't stop right there. Grant us boldness, look here, that they, he's talking about the servants there, may speak your word. In other words, God, give us such courage that when all of a sudden we are confronted, when we are threatened, when we are up against opposition, that we don't turn tail and run, but instead we stand up even straighter with greater boldness, with greater confidence, one foot out in front of the other, and we speak truth right back in opposition's face. We hold true to what we know and say, Jesus is my Savior. God's word is true. My life is bent on glorifying him, and I will not do anything less. Boldness. Now, here's what their boldness led to. Verse 30. By stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. God, I pray you give us boldness. But in here, and then I'm praying for something to happen out there. So that when I speak, when I follow the prompting of your spirit in me, that those who hear it, something happens in them. And he says that your hand would heal. That where there has been brokenness, where there has been pain, where there has been broken relationships, where there has been a soul that's been crushed, where there's been a soul that's been hurt, where there's someone who's bitter, where there's someone who's divided, where there's someone who needs something fresh to happen in their life, that when we boldly speak your word, that there'd be some healing that would occur. That marriages that are on the brink of divorce would all of a sudden, by the word spoken, be healed in that moment. That a life that's on the edge of just anxious disaster would all of a sudden, in that moment, find soul healing and confidence in who they are in Jesus Christ. That people that have been segmented and divided would all of a sudden return in unity within the body of Christ. That all of a sudden God would be glorified and there'd be healing 
that would occur. And that happens when you speak life, when God's people are bold. Not just the preachers and the teachers, but the people in the pews. Amen? Now, that's not all. He says, I'm praying that through your hand there'd be some healing. But I want you to be careful in how you read this because he's going to say next, and we're praying that signs and wonders may be done. Now, this is after Jesus has returned to heaven. This is the age of the church. They're the beginning. We're the continuation. And they are praying that some things would happen, that some circumstances would change, that God would so work in those circumstances that there would be some events that no one could explain except to say that was God. A sign, an evidence. If you're driving down Ovilla Road today and you look up and you see the sign that says Vertical Church, you know, oh, I must be at the place where Vertical Church meets. And you'd be correct. Good job. Way to go. When God works today, his goal is to work in our lives and through us in such a way, not just me, but all of us, work in such a way that there would be a sign that would just be planted and others would look and say, there is no other evidence in the fact that God must be in that person's life. God must be here. It's a clear sign. Have you ever had those moments happen where you've prayed for something to happen? You've waited. You've trusted God. And all of a sudden, an, an event happened. Something came in the mail. Someone showed up at your door. Someone said something to you. You got a text. You got a phone call. A conversation happened. And all of a sudden, you knew this has to be God. That was a sign. That was his way of showing you and those around you, I'm here. I'm at work. That's a sign. And this is what they prayed for. And this is what you and I ought to still pray for today. God, would you make some signs come available? Would you make some evidences come available in my life and the people around me so that it would be clear? It's not by me, but only by you that this is where God is. Now, healing, signs, and wonders. Mm. The third thing they prayed for, wonders. Unexplainable events. Circumstances that are beyond logic. Events that no one can define and describe as, well, <laughs> you see what really happened was, no, only God could have done it. And it's a wonder. It's one of those things you look back at later and think, how in the world? How did that happen? It had to be God. How we, as a people, would be gathered on this piece of property right now with a sign out front that says Vertical Church, if you don't know the history, you would know this is a wonder. <laughs> I mean, nobody in their own logic and planning could have planned and prepared for this to be happening right now. For people to have been changed over the past five years in such a way that the church would exist today glorifying Jesus and people being completely transformed. That's a wonder. That's a wonder. 
And that's what God desires. Events in our life that are not logical, not explainable, not justifiable by your own logic and ability. So that you can say, well, <laughs> what really happened was, you see, it was me and this other guy. And we No. <laughs> our lives ought to have some signs and wonders to them. Because when people see signs and wonders, they all of a sudden know, whoa, God is here. When that man in this story was healed after 40 years of being lame, it was a sign and a wonder that Jesus was there. Whew. And they said, we're praying this will happen through your holy servant, Jesus. Now, here's where it all ties together. Jesus was the hated one. God is the sovereign one. And he brought together his sovereignty and their hatred of him. And he brought his plan for salvation all together. And the people there in the book of Acts understood it. You and I must understand this today. When you have an event come into your life today that is difficult, challenging, painful, hard for you to process, hurts like... Mm, It is not because God has left you. It is because God is about to work in you. And you must remember that, just like these believers did. It was true for Jesus. It was true for them. And it's true for us. And it makes you, at the end of the day, say, God, you created it all. You own it all. If they raise up against you, it's because you've allowed them to. And so, God, we trust you. Now, make us bold. Let's do this thing. I'm not going to shrink away, pull away, and deny what you've done in my life. I will be bold. And God, we want to see a work happen. Amen. Amen. These believers were saying, we want to see something large scale happen. We want to see something of massive scale happen. We may be small, but you've put your spirit in us. We may not understand everything right now, but we trust you because you know all things. They were hoping for a massive scale movement that they knew started with preaching and teaching his word. A massive scale movement. Now we know because of the fact that we're sitting here today, that movement actually happened. History records it. History reveals it. So when I think about where we are today... I think, man, I want us to have that same kind of passion today. I want us to have that same kind of burden for people to be changed out there. I want to have the same kind of passion and specific prayer that says, God, heal some things right now. Heal some relationships. Heal some marriages. Heal some brokenness. Heal some bodies. Cause some signs to happen. Cause some wonders to happen. Make some miraculous things happen, God. Bring all those to pass. I'm tired of simple faith. I'm tired of just easy faith. I'm ready to pray some big things. I'm ready to see some big things. I'm ready for you to be glorified. Amen? That's what they were doing, and that's what we're called to do, a massive scale movement like that. So I was preparing for this message this week. I'm also praying the same kind of prayer. God, make us bold. I don't pray for us just to be safe. I pray for us to be bold. I don't pray for us to have it easy. I pray for us to be bold. I don't pray for us to just be comfortable, but I pray for us to be bold as a church. Amen? 
I have a way for us to do that. One way. There's a lot of ways you can carry this out, and my prayer is that in us being bold, God will give you creativity of how to make that happen in your life, in your circumstances, in the people that you relate to. But I want to show you a way you can do that this morning. My degree in college is actually in art. You may have known that. So I don't discount that as something from another life. I count that as a gift God's given me to use for his glory. So what I've done this past week, I created some artwork that you can use if you're on social media that will help share the gospel. That's what these new believers were doing in the book of Acts, and that's what you and I are called to do. God, make us bold, not just bold to spout our opinions about things, but bold to declare your gospel. Amen? That's what you and I are called to do. So hang with me for just a moment while I explain an opportunity for us. I want to show you some of the graphics I created this week that I believe will be good for us to use on social media. These are designed with some emotion. These are designed with some intent. These are designed attractively. These are designed for us to redeem some social media that needs to be redeemed today. Amen? What better way than to use that as an opportunity to say, hey, I know life feels like hell today. There's a reason for that. Turn your life to Jesus Christ. Guilt is heavy. There's a reason for that, too. The gospel of Jesus is here to remove that. Anger and resentment that the world is turning to today with all of its victim identity and virtue signaling, it's all a trap. The gospel will free you. You're going to start seeing these and some others that we've created be posted on our social media. They're designed for you to share. Because you might say, I don't know if I can walk over to my neighbor's house and talk to them about the gospel. I get it. I I get it. That can be challenging if you've never done that before. Or if the relationship is awkward. But let me show you the motions that required to share this online. Watch carefully. (laughs) Now, if that is too much... If that is too much to ask, then you need to pray the prayer they pray. God, grant us boldness. <laughs> right? So here's what happens next. That's not the end of the story. You share these links, or you share these graphics, which we're going to just start steadily just promoting. There's a, there will be a link in the description with it that will take you to our website where we have a page dedicated that explains the gospel. Which, by the way, I thought I would just see how many other churches have a link or a page like this. When you find them, let me know. Send me the link that says, here's the gospel. Odd, odd thing. The person goes to this link. There, you'll find the gospel shared. Not in some 1972 Baptist language. But it has been rewritten in vertical language that uses the term vertical life in it. 
so that as a member of Vertical wants to have a conversation, you can have a relevant conversation with somebody about, did you know that you were designed to have Vertical Life? Did you know that what actually has happened is that we've all walked away from that Vertical Life by our own sin and stubbornness? Did you know that Jesus came to restore to us Vertical relationship with God? And that you can experience that by faith in a prayer. You can live vertical life. So on this webpage, they can read that, scripture there to support it. And then at the bottom of the page is a place for them to let us know, here's my name. I prayed the prayer that's on that page. And I want to know more about this vertical life. And I want to be baptized. Now, that lets us know on staff that they did that, we will get in touch with them and have a conversation with them. And then what you're going to start noticing in a couple of weeks is this drum set and all this stuff move over there, and we're going to take our baptism trough and put it right there. And every week, we're going to baptize one person. Now, normally, at Vertical, we'll baptize six or eight in a day when we get together for baptisms. But because of COVID concerns, we'll baptize one in the water, flush the water, fill it back up next week, and we'll baptize the next one. I'm praying that there's a baptism in this service every week for the rest of the year. Amen? Amen. Amen. Because that's what is needed today. People to come to know the reality of Jesus Christ in their life because everybody's being rattled today. It's time to get settled and find the one who can change your life. Amen? So, watch for that. The first one will hit the airways tomorrow. The other piece that we're going to be doing and we're praying how we're going to do all this right now is in, in late August, early September, we're going to begin a new believers class here on Wednesday nights. For all those who've prayed this prayer, we say, come on in. We want to help you know how to live this vertical life out. And we're going to take you through the basics of what this means. And I know there'll be many who will take it for the first time and many who say, you know, I became a believer 10 years ago, but no one ever helped me do this thing. This class will be for you. So back to our story. We pick it up in verse 31. And when they had prayed, when they had done what strengthened their faith, when they had said what gave them confidence, when they said our faith is in you, it says the place where they were assembled together was shaken. All of a sudden, the physical place that they were in, this room that they were gathered in, something began to shake in that place. And it wasn't just some nervous guy's knee underneath the table shaking. The whole place began to rattle because the Holy Spirit showed up in that moment. And I'm going to tell you, when God's people will pray with this kind of confidence, when God's people will pray with this kind of specifics, when God's people will pray with that kind of faith, when God's people will pray with that kind of big passion, desire to see God change some things, he'll rattle some cages. He'll change heaven and earth. He'll move it and he'll glorify himself in it. When all of a sudden God's people start saying, you know, Lord, you've promised there is no weapon formed against us that will stand or prosper. 
When God's people start to say, Lord, what they meant for evil, you meant for good. When all of a sudden God's people start saying, we are more than conquerors in our Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever God's people start saying, God, you are our rock. You are our fortress. You are our defense. You are our defender. When God's people start saying, you are our light and our salvation. When God's people start saying, I can do all things through Jesus Christ. We are called to be the light of the world. We are sitting to sit on a hill that cannot be hidden. When God's people start to pray with that kind of boldness and confidence, they will be rattled. And that's what I'm praying for, for us. Verse 31, we'll finish it up here. It was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Woo! God heard their prayer. God answered them. They prayed. They trusted. God, you're the one who made all things. You're the one who arranges all things. There's no one greater than you. So, God, we stand with boldness in our day. Now, make us bold for your word. Bring healing. Bring signs. Bring wonders. So that all will know that Jesus is Lord. We're going to pray today as we close our message. And I want to give you a a guide. Here's how we're going to pray today. We're going to pray with confident faith. God... You created all things. We're going to pray with, for personal obedience. God, make us bold. In the people groups, friends, family, circumstances you put us in, make us bold. We're going to pray for God-sized miracles. God-sized miracles. Not what you think is attainable, not what you think is logical, not what you think could happen, but a God-sized miracle. And pray for hearts to turn to Jesus. So all this will be done through Jesus and to Jesus. I so want to see us be rattled. I want to see our community rattled. Our nation rattled. But it starts in us. So I'd ask you to bow your heads. If you need to look up and use this as your guide today, do that. Let's take some time. Seek the Lord. Pray with intensity and passion.